this is Kenya, and welcome to my Magical Cottagecore Life. Today, it is Thanksgiving Eve, and we're all getting ready to decide what our menus will be, but not everybody can afford or desires turkey, and that's okay. So, if you don't want turkey and you don't want to roast something, what do you do? You make do, of course, but what if you decided that today's feast, <clears throat> and yes, my asthma is getting at me. Um, one of my listeners was kind enough to point out that they can tell when my asthma is getting to me. So excuse me for this raspy voice and this windy episode. <sighs> okay, but back to what we were saying. So what if you could make a dish that would fill everyone, make everyone feel fat and full and happy and yummy and it took about four or five hours to make but it was extremely satisfying and it wasn't turkey well today we're gonna do that we're gonna give you a recipe that might just fit that bill again my vegetarian friends this is not the episode for you I know, I know, but I do have some vegetarian recipes coming up, but this is meaty, meaty, meaty week, so I'm sorry, that's what we're doing this week. So today, open up your big book of stuff and turn to the section on historical cooking in the Americas, specifically North America. Now, this particular recipe, you might say is along the line of early America. Really early. Let's get started. What we are going to start talking about today is a recipe, or not really a recipe, but a guiding dish with a loose little interpretation called burgoo. I'll call it burgoo, but I'm going to go with the people who are down south, and most of them tell me it's burgoo, but, you know, do what you want. It's B-U-R-G-O-O. So again, you may call it burgoo, but in certain counties, it's burgoo. So let's talk about it. For this particular recipe, you're going to need three kinds of meat. Okay, so so let's let's talk about that too. The meat is not always what you think it will be. It doesn't have to be chicken, beef, and pork. It can be mutton. It can be goat. Yeah, I'm really big on the goat this week. It could be squirrel. It could be venison. It could be, you know, beaver. It could be rabbit. It could be anything. Now, I don't think that we're going to put seafood in there. So leave snapping turtle out of that. Turtle has his own dish. Um, and I don't eat turtle, but... I know people who do, but there's all kinds of things you can put together. But one of the things that you have to do for it to be a good burgoo has to have three different kinds of meat. So that's the first thing you need to know. The second thing you need to know is that if you put in bacon, you should brown that bacon first. Don't just throw it in there. Get a little flavor going with it. That lard will help with the flavor. Um, I don't eat pork bacon, but hey, if I'm going to do something... I want to do it right, and I want to make it where people who do like it enjoy it.
to start our burgoo off with three kinds of broth. At least, you should have three different kinds. But just because you have the three different broths, that doesn't mean that they're automatically going to match the meat you have. In a perfect world, yeah, you could do that. But you may not have a perfect world. And whose world would be, you know, more interesting if it were perfect anyhow? So let's say that we're going to start off with something simple. You've made stocks this week if you've been following the episode and you had the things to use. Oh, I'm getting really wheezy. So what you can use is your goat stock and some goat meat, if you have it, or you can substitute beef stock and beef meat. Um, maybe your second meat will be a chicken or a turkey, or your third meat might be a pork or a mutton, or it could be venison or something else. So let's say you've got your stocks going, or you could even use a vegetable stock. Again, it doesn't have to match just as long as you have three different kinds and you put them in there. So let's just make a burdu, a burdu right now. So we're going to have our chicken stock, our beef stock, our vegetable stock. Although, again, maybe a goat stock and a venison stock and a turkey stock would be good too for this week. Put them all together. Get them in a nice big pot. Now, traditionally, this dish is cooked outdoors over an open fire. I'm letting you know that now. So all of you purists out there, I know that I'm violating the, the spirit of the burgoo. I get that. And I know that Kentucky is, is the current guardian of the burgoo. I get that too. But I'm from Michigan and we do what we want. So go blue. We're going to do it this way. Now, before we go any further, let's just establish that if you don't have stocks, that's okay. No one's going to judge you. You can use broth. It's absolutely fine. I am not going to judge you. I will say that if you have absolutely nothing else, and I mean nothing else, you could use, you know, basically a cream soup of like chicken or a cream of... Um, onion or something like that but it's not going to be burgoo it's, it's not going to be the same but if you're just trying to make something close to it I guess you have to do what you have to do it's like when people make callaloo and they substitute collard grains for callaloo they're going to do what they have to do because that's what they have it's not super authentic but you use what you have in order to make it work and no one's judging you I'm not. And who are they anyway to judge you? It's your house and your kitchen. And they're not the boss of you. And neither am I. So do what you have to do. But it should be of a watery consistency like a stock would be. You're going to mix these three together. Um, You're going to adjust the measurements to how much you're going to make of this dish. Usually a container would be a carton or a can. So adjust it accordingly. Or if you're trying to fill up a giant pot for a family, maybe a quart of each would be better. You know what you're cooking, so you know you're you're gonna have to use your best judgment. So we're starting off 
Oh, I'm getting breezy. We're starting off with our, our stocks and we're gonna get those going, bring it up to a nice little boil. Don't put any seasoning in yet. Just give it up a little boil and then turn it, you know, turn it back down. You're gonna have it boiling, but you don't want a, a super high boil because it's gonna cook for a really long time. Get a little bit of a boil on it and then you maybe bank those, those charcoals down. Now what you're gonna do is put in your vegetables. This is the fun part. You get to pick the vegetables you put in, but it's pretty much widespreadly, there's no such word as widespreadly, but has a widespread concurrence that potatoes are part of this dish. So you definitely want to have some potatoes in there or some sort of starch. I guess if you're doing foraging outdoors, you could put cattail root in there and that way the tubers and you could, um, I know those people who forage are probably looking like, it's not that, that's a tuber. Okay, you got me. You're going to put the tubers in there because you want a starch, okay? So you're going to prepare it like you prepare anything else. You know, wash it, peel it, and put it in because it's part of making that, that thickness that you're going to go for. Next, you're going to put in some beans. I personally personally like Potawatomi beans. Um, it's like a butter bean. It's like a lima bean. Um, and as you know, beans give their own kind of uh, thickening thick thickening to a stock or to a soup or to a stew. So you want to put some of that in there. Uh, the next thing you're going to put in there is maybe some more beans and some more vegetables. You know what you have. Up here, we don't always use okra because my husband doesn't like okra anyway, but a lot of people don't use okra unless it's something they grew up cooking. But you could put okra in there. Just understand that everybody likes okra. You know, put in some purple whole beans. Put in some black-eyed peas. Make this what you want. And definitely add some chopped tomatoes because that's a good thing to have in there, as well as some tomato puree. Now, let's talk about those vegetables, okay? You're not just gonna throw them in the pot right now. You're gonna kinda saute them a little bit. Give them a flavor signature. Put a little salt on them. If you have a special kind of herb you wanna put in there, you can put it in now, but it's gonna cook so long that you may not taste it at the end. And some herbs turn a little bitter. So, you know, use your better judgment. Now, this is also where you put in your onions. If you can find regular Vidalia onions, put those in. If you can put shallots in there, put those in. Put garlic in there if you want. But be careful because you don't want to put anything in there that's going to overpower. So I would be careful if I have a Spanish onion. Don't put so much in there. All those meats need to be browned before you put them in there too. Just want to point that out. Make sure you take your time. Brown them. Don't cook them through. Just get a sear on every side so that you know they won't um, wind up being the wrong texture. You want to be able to taste that meat. You want that, that flavor all the way through there for it to cook down slowly and get tender. You'll see what I mean as, as this stew goes on. The next thing you're going to do is once everything's sauteed and has a little bit of a, a color in it, then you're going to put it in the pot, okay? Again, just a little bit of salt right now. Didn't mean to smack in your ear. <laughs> but a little bit of salt. I'm trying to um I'm trying to use a lemon drop to kind of pace my breathing. It's one of the things I do. I often use candy to pace my breathing uh, to keep me from beginning to gasp. I'm not saying for you to do it. 
you don't have to do that. But uh, definitely, once you've got this going, put that in there, and then it's time for the meat. Now, for some people, it's not a real burgoo if there's no whiskey or bourbon in it. I'm not telling you what to do. You don't have to do that. But you can do it if you would like to do it. Personally, I might add a little bit or or I'm not telling you what to do. But what you could also do is if you don't have that handy, you could put in some wine. Um, it's up to you what you do. Preferably a darker color if the meats are heavy, a lighter color if they're not. But it's up to you. And that way you can have a little bit of an extra flavor. It gives a different depth to the food. You'll find your way. The, the concoction, the mysterious array of ingredients will speak to you. Once you start putting that corn in there... You'll, you, something will come over you. You'll, you'll see. Also, don't be shy. If you want to put a little cabbage in there, you can. This is one of the times I'm going to tell you it's okay to add cabbage to something like this outdoors. Go right ahead. Do it. Make it happen. Make it taste good. Or you could even add some wild greens or some turnips, but not a lot um, to, to overpower it. Just enough to bring it together. But there's so much vegetable mass in this that it won't make much difference now after this has been cooking for the first couple of hours you've heard me first couple of hours it should begin to get thick if it's not getting thick add a little something else you can add cornstarch to here to this uh concoction i've seen people use cornmeal to thicken uh this kind of a stew based meal also so it's up to you it's sort of like a stew it is a stew but it's kind of a looser stew as far as the definition of stew but it's it's a thick thick stew because you can stand the spoon up in it if you do it right so i can't really call it a looser version of stew i've heard it called a mulligan stew but it's not it is not a mulligan stew that's completely different and we'll cover that in another episode Now, I want to take a moment to pull out away from the regular bulk of the episode. <coughs> Ooh, I need that lemon drop right now. Maybe I should switch it for whorehound. Uh, anyway, maybe we should do an episode on whorehound drops. Okay, back to the point, back to the point. I did say that Burgu was historical, and it is, because even as early as 1796, there is an entry uh, in a sailor's logbook about burgoo and back then they made it out of ground oatmeal and or ship's biscuit although ship's biscuit was so tough they probably that would have been more along the line of a different meal but it, in this particular case it was specifically ground oatmeal and they would put meat in it in that case it would be like a salt pork or if they had dried beef which usually they wouldn't so then they would make this thick kind of, of soupy kind of gruel. Um, it would be a, a, a really thick affair, but that's what they had. But we don't see it until it's present form, you know, except later on. 
when, you know, you get more access to readily hunted meat and people are keeping more of a record. But the thing is, the indigenous nations here have their own recipes and their own foods. And I believe, and it's widely believed outside of myself, of course, that Burgu was based um, in its current form on an even older recipe that came with the amalgamation or the mixing with the cultures from the colonial soldiers with the indigenous nations here because the name Burgu was not from here but I think they took that meal they used from the fare of the ships and from being here and took that name and applied it to something similar they saw when it came to cooking without the oatmeal if that makes sense so I think this is a matter of two cultures or more cultures coming together to make something new out of something else. You're going to cook this for about four or five hours. So you need someone who's able to take the time to watch this. Now, if you're doing it on the stove, you definitely want to spin that pot a little bit Make sure you're stirring it a little bit so that nothing sticks. Uh, Stoves, ovens, any kind of cook surface inside the home tend to have hot spots or they don't sit level. It's a little bit different than when something's hanging over an open fire. You don't have the same kind of all over heating element that you would from that same kind of heat being directly on an iron pot. Nothing like a hanging iron pot full of yummy goodness to the juices flowing, right? It's all so wonderful. And once you get to the end, you're going to stir that up. And you should be stirring throughout, by the way. You're going to stir that up and it's going to get to the point where you can stand that spoon straight up. Now, here's the thing. If you're doing this outside, you have one of those huge pots, you're probably cooking with the paddle. That's pretty cool. If I were you, I'd probably have somebody make it like a really cool wood burning along the handle of it just to make it look cute. But remember, we talked about taking care of our wooden kitchen tools. So if you do that, make sure you take care of it and you have it sealed properly to make sure we keep it clean and sanitary. Once this is all done, you want to remove it from being over the active heat. Maybe damp that fire down a little bit more. Um, and because this is going to be a situation where the pot's going to be so hot, you won't be able to serve from it. And if you're cooking over the open fire outside and you're using an iron pot, make sure you watch that pot and make sure that it never gets white hot. If it starts to glow red, you know that fire is way too high. And definitely, if it starts to get white, Make sure somebody who knows fire safety is on the scene because that's just a couple of levels below it being dangerous. So watch your fire, watch your cookware. No one needs to get hurt except putting the hurting on that food. Oh, come on. You like that, didn't you? That was cool. You don't like my mom joke? Oh, come on. It's Thanksgiving tomorrow. Let's be thankful that there weren't more. 
I'll 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 grab my hat and coat and 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 be going to sit on the naughty step. I I get it. Okay. I love sharing that recipe recipes with my friends though. I love sharing holidays with my friends and we're friends, right? And I really hope you get a chance to try burgu. Make some maybe not tomorrow, but another day. Maybe next Thanksgiving. Maybe for the holidays this winter. I don't know. I'm not the boss of you, but I know one thing. You'll enjoy eating burgoo, and I'll enjoy spending time with you next time here on my magical cottage core life. <coughs> and I'll enjoy getting my inhaler too. Take care of yourself.